The following podcast contains explicit language. When Super Bowl 57 was over, one of the off-season storylines that I was keeping tabs on was what the Eagles were going to do about Lane Johnson's contract. They had salary cap issues and would need to restructure his contract if they wanted to create some space because they needed to retain a bunch of other players or go out and get other players. And most importantly, to extend quarterback Jalen Hurts. So that meant Lane would have to agree to restructure and adding more years onto his deal. On the surface, this sounds great. You get more money, you get more of a guarantee, and you have the opportunity to finish your career in Philadelphia. Then on the morning of March 24th, I got a text. Lane Johnson and the Eagles had agreed to a contract extension. Ian, we got some Eagles news this morning. The Birds are giving right tackle Lane Johnson a huge one-year, $33 million extension, including $30 million guaranteed. That will extend his contract through 2026. This extension... That's a lot of money. But there was one thing I couldn't shake from my head, which was my conversation with Lane just a few months prior in the middle of the season... He spoke openly about his love-hate relationship with football and about just getting to the finish line and playing really only two more years. When I'm done playing, I was like, I want to kill this, my identity, like with sports and just try to find something new, you know, because I feel like I've been focused on sports ever since a young kid. Having been around Lane for over a decade and getting to know a number of people around him, I thought to myself... What's going on here? Maybe I need to dig a little deeper into what is really driving him. Find another hobby, find something that's, you know, outside of this. I'm Jeff McClain. I've covered the Eagles for the Philadelphia Inquirer for 15 years. And this is Uncovering the Birds, a Philadelphia Inquirer and KWW News Radio original podcast sponsored by Wawa. Episode 2 this game. It's the first round of the playoffs. The Eagles are playing the New York Giants. We're at the link. And the big question on everyone's mind was, will Lane Johnson make it through this game? There's another big factor that we yes. haven't mentioned tonight, and that is the Eagles number 65, Lane Johnson, back after missing two games with an abdominal tear. And he really matters to this offense and the way they, everything that they do offensively, it really begins up front. And when you've got a healthy Lane Johnson, it makes everyone healthier. The quarterback, he has a comfort level. when he The month Lane prior, Lane had torn his abductor against the Cowboys and had missed two games. You, don't, you never want to see this Lane Johnson not able to get no. up after a play. Well, he has been so solid and such a rock for this offensive line. He was going to put off surgery and wait until after the year, and he was going to try to play through this injury throughout the playoffs and the postseason run. 10-26 remaining in the opening quarter. Hurts looks. Hurts fires. Complete. He's got Dallas Goddard spinning across the goal line into the end zone. The Eagles score. After that first drive, Lane realized what he could play through and how much pain he can endure. The Eagles started to dominate the Giants. Really good blocking up front, man. What a great job Lane Johnson and company are doing on that right side with Kelsey. And You could see Lane locking down the right side like he normally does. 
there was not a pass rusher who got to Hurts that entire game. You seen Lane play through his injury. How much did that mean to you? He's a warrior. He's a, he's a true warrior. And he's a um, very important piece to this team. And, you know, he's been doing great things for, for a very long time. A few months earlier, I sat down with Lane for an extensive interview. During that conversation, I told him there was someone within the Eagles organization who told me that when it comes to the roster, he's the most important player, including Jalen Hurts. Fuck, man, there's more important things in life. I don't think I've ever heard an NFL player react that way when given such high praise, especially when he's at the pinnacle of his career like Lane is. The more and more we spoke, it sounded to me like Lane was a guy that may have the end game on his mind. I get tired of being away from my family. My parents are getting older. And, you know, my dad's health has declined the past couple of years. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, a lot of my time has been devoted to this game and, and taken away from, you know, seeing the people that I love a lot. So as they're getting older and, and that kind of comes to the mind, I'm like, hey, man, I, I want to be around the people that I love and spend time with them. Especially his three kids. I just want to be a good dad and be there to support them. I just want to be a normal-ass dude. At this stage of his career, Lane has a complicated relationship with football. I think it's only gotten more complex in recent years. But he said even when he first started playing competitive sports, there was this feeling that was gnawing at him. I remember from an early age, like before games, I would feel, not the degree I feel it now, but I remember just being, you know, seven, eight, nine, you know, going to a game and feeling kind of similar how I did now. But, you know, you don't really know how to express your feelings that age you don't know how to describe what you're feeling or and scared to kind of I guess let the cat out of the bag but yeah I remember from early age kind of feeling that and then I just felt like it progressed um, as I got older. Eventually Lane figured out what he was up against anxiety even when he was that young. I think my, my stuff has always stemmed from pressure I put on myself to perform well and I don't know it's just it's like one of these things I, I, try, I try to turn it off but I can't turn it off. Like many kids growing up in Texas, football was life for Lane. Being in that environment, he wasn't always comfortable talking about his feelings. Where I grew up, that's, that's what a lot of people were like, the old school mentality. And that's part of the problem. That's why people are scared to talk about it. That's why people, that's why a lot of lives are lost. That's why uh, you know, a lot of people hide in the dark like I did. When it comes to the Eagles, Sean Andrews was pretty much the first player to openly discuss his battles with depression. And then Brandon Brooks was very open about how anxiety affected him. You're starting to see more players come out of the shadows and talk openly about their struggles with anxiety and depression. There's been a lot of great players that are like tortured souls while they were playing. You know, Brian Dawkins is one of them. I remember him talking about he could have a great game or a bad game and just wanting, you know, come home and talk about committing suicide. I mean, like, you know, if somebody of that magnitude is talking about that, just like, huh, you really don't know what's going on with some of these players. There still is the stigma in football and with men in general that they don't want to open up about their feelings. And I think there are a lot of guys in the Eagles locker room that I've spoken to in private who tell me about their feelings when they have to go out there before a game and pressures that mount in playing the sport and playing it in a city that's so obsessed with the Eagles. And Lane was one of them. With the fourth pick in the 2013 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select Lane Johnson, tackle Oklahoma. 
Lane was drafted fourth overall to the Eagles. Since then, he's been a mainstay and has started in every single game of his 10-year career. Fuck up one time, you get beat. That's all. There's, that's fuck. We're in a constant state of paranoia, especially the O-line position. You can ask any O-lineman that's ever played. Lane feels like he's starring in his own horror movie. Like Michael Myers, always <laughs> around the bushes. That's the, I guess the best explanation of how I do it. <laughs> the job's never finished. I don't look forward to any games. I do I enjoy bullshitting with the guys, all the other guys, because they understand it. Yeah, but other than that, man, that's all. I mean, when I'm done with this game, all I'm going to miss is the guys, people I bullshitted with, the relationships I built. I'm not going to miss nothing about the fucking game. How about, like, being, like, recognized, though, as the best or, like, I mean, you know. It, um, it doesn't change. It doesn't change the feelings that I feel. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like I said, I feel like I got a motherfucker in the bushes with me or, you know, it's looking to kill me all the time. That's what I, I feel paranoid. But at the same time, that's what, make, that's what makes you good at your job. It's like, you know, the anxiety is a good thing. It's going to bring the best version of yourself out, but it's going to come at a price. I think this tracks with the way a lot of players cope with the game and cope with the pressures of playing the game. And Lane and Brandon Brooks have spoken before about how they would kind of team up and vomit together before games. But there's other ways I think players use other alternative means they use to prepare themselves or help them get through the game that maybe they're uncomfortable talking about. The thing was, I wouldn't really talk about these things with other people. That was that was the problem. I wasn't discussing how I was feeling. I bought all this stuff up inside and, yeah, press, press on forward and kind of just suffer quietly. Lane tried his best to work through it, but he figured out he just couldn't do it by himself. I felt this shit since I was yeah. seven, eight years old. I can't shut it off. Um, so it's like, it is what it is. Two years ago, it all came to a boil. Hours before a big game, Lane was nowhere to be seen. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Wawa. Wawa's paninis are getting even bolder, like spicy buffalo chicken paired with creamy mac and cheese, all in a handheld toasty panini. Or the savory garlic pepperoni panini with provolone, pepperoni, and drizzled with a garlic aioli. Or mix it up with tuna salad and your favorite toppings. Fill up on these bold flavors that are sure to be the envy of every lunch. Try new Wawa panini for lunch today. Gotta have a Wawa. I'm Jeff McLean. This is Uncovering the Birds, a Philadelphia Inquirer and KYW News Radio original podcast sponsored by Wawa. All right, let's go back to the beginning of the 2018 season. The Eagles are coming off the Super Bowl. It was week four. They're playing the Titans. And Lane was playing through an ankle injury and gave up a couple sacks to Howard Landry, one of which was a strip sack. Ball's out. That's a fumble, and the Titans are on it. It was that sack that changed the momentum of the game, and the Eagles end up losing in overtime. Open. The following week, Eagles general manager Howie Rosen saw Lane in the cafeteria with some other players, and he walked by him and teased him a little bit about giving up those sacks, and Lane didn't take it too well, got frustrated, upset, and basically left the team facility and went to his home in South Jersey. In my reporting, when I originally heard about Howie teasing Lane after the Titans game and him getting upset and leaving, I didn't think much of it, but then I found out a few weeks later 
it had escalated to the point where Lane almost didn't go in and play against the Jaguars in London. Lane was playing through an ankle injury that I think most players probably wouldn't have played through. And it was affecting his performance on the field. And on top of that, he had this anxiety. It made it very hard for him to go out there knowing what could happen if he gave up a sack or if he wasn't playing at his peak performance. In London, he had expressed concerns to Eagles coaches and players and personnel that he wasn't going to be able to play. He just didn't feel like he was capable of going out there. And I think word had reached Howie Roseman and Howie kind of went up to his locker stall, maybe thinking that the best way to get Lane out there was to berate him. (laughs) Quite frankly, he really kind of dug into Lane and it had the opposite effect. Lane was very distraught, told other players nearby that he was definitely not playing. It got to the point where Jason Peters had to go to Doug Peterson and talk to him. It got to the point where Chris Long and Brandon Brooks had to coax Lane out onto the field. I think, in fact, he didn't really make it to the beginning of the game. He wasn't out there initially and then eventually came out. But he only lasted just a few plays before re-injuring that ankle. Here's how I wrote it in an article for the Philadelphia Inquirer in March 2020. Roseman said, good, you have your mouthpiece in. Now you can't say anything stupid. The last comment set Johnson off. I can't play for this fucker, he said. A source close to Roseman later said that he was just trying to be playful with Johnson, but Lane took off all of his equipment. He went to the showers and was ready not to play and missed warm-ups until his teammates were able to coax him back out onto the field. I was playing hurt. Uh, I was hurting a lot and trying my best, so I was just, I don't know, all that came to a head. How much was that ankle? I mean, like, so, or, or like the kind of tough guy ethos that players supposed to have factored mm-hmm. into what, I mean, we've only found a lit since later. We knew you were going through it, mm-hmm. but like, it's like, you can't say anything. And- yes, that, and then it's like the nature, like the one uh, kind of nature in general is, you know, a lot of guys have been fucked up, played on touring this, touring that, so it's like almost like, you know, hey, it is what it is, so, and that's how I felt about it, but, it, you know, it does affect you on the field or, you know, how you move around, so yeah, it's just, just another thing to to try to handle. But do you think the ankle played a role in all um, the your last mental, year, your mental health? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, there's no question. It was week four of the 2021 season, and Eagles were going to play the Chiefs. It was a big game. You're watching the warm-ups from the press box, and you notice that Lane Johnson isn't out there, so you know something's wrong. Help, too. Some quick news off the top. <laughs> Lane Johnson is out today due to personal reasons. So oh. the Eagles down four of their five starters on the offensive line. Boy, just when you think it couldn't get any harder, it just did. I mean, <laughs> the, the Lane Johnson news comes, sort of really comes out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, this is a really tough lift. I started texting sources uh, trying to find out why he wasn't there and then eventually why he was not active. I found out that he was not in the building, and in fact, he was heading home to Oklahoma and was considering his future in football and whether he'd ever play again. Let's go across <laughs> the street to the link. John Clark. Well, obviously with the news that Lane Johnson is out, 
for personal reasons, and I think that was a shock to everybody this morning. I think it just came up. Uh, maybe it changes the game plan a little bit. The whole entire town wanted to know exactly what happened to their right tackle. Why was he not playing? Why is he no longer in Philadelphia? And your instincts as a reporter is to report what you know. And I certainly had enough to be able to report that Lane had left because of anxiety or depression and that he had no intentions of playing and Eagles weren't sure if he'd ever come back. Have you talked much about that day? Are you willing to kind of talk about that day? Yeah. Or? I mean, I told uh, wife at the time, I said, I'm, I'm done with this shit. Here we have Nick Sirianni in his first season. They were losing games. They lost that game. And previously, whenever Lane missed a game, the Eagles more often than not lost the game. So here they are losing one of their most important players and – they had no idea when or if he'd come back. What did you find out about Lane, and how tough was it to adjust in the last minute? You know, I found out, you know, a couple couple hours before the game. I thought the offensive line battled. I thought they played really well. Just a tribute to the guys that stepped in and played. Lane here? Uh, I, I'm, just, I'm not going to discuss any, any Lane. Don't worry, no, just, yeah, just a personal, personal situation, and I'm just not going to discuss that right now. I was at the point my ankle felt like it was finished. I wasn't feeling the same. I couldn't run block the same. You know, just playing football, I, I didn't feel like I looked the same. I, I can make do in pass pro, but like in run blocking, my ankle, my foot was giving me so much shit. I remember getting a call from a source close to Lane the day after. That's when I really got a sense of what Lane was going through. It wasn't just the ankle and the injuries. There was also a very serious mental component that Lane was trying to get a handle on, and he was on an antidepressant called Paxil, and he was having side effects because he was trying to wean himself off of it. This is not a drug that you can stop immediately, and I didn't stop, but it was an extended release type of medication, and so I've never taken that before, so I was when I was trying to taper off, I was splitting that in two, and so they're not meant to be split, so it went from a pretty good dose to pretty much nothing. The Eagles had to do their best to be sensitive to what Lane was enduring, but also be mindful of this investment that they had made in their future and his future. I felt manic. I felt like all these emotions were coming out. I had no control over it. Physical symptoms in my body, like far as, I felt like you almost had like a fever, like a, like a flu-like symptoms. You get tremors, you get cold chills. Uh, scary is what it was. I wasn't sure if he would ever come back. At that time, you know, the question with Lane was whether they were able to kind of get him back onto his medication and get him into a frame of mind where he felt like he could come back to Philadelphia, face up to the music, and feel mentally strong, physically strong enough to play this game again. I was like, man, fuck this. I don't give a, you know, not that I was ever going to do something extremely you know, go off the deep end. But I was like, dude, I got to get away. I can't. I'm fucking hurting bad. I was ready to retire, to be honest with you. So Lane left the team. We didn't know if he was ever going to come back. Meanwhile, he had gotten in contact with someone who could help him, a sports psychologist from Michigan State that had actually worked with Lane before. He knew how I operated uh, more than anybody because I've been using him for years. And so, uh, yeah, when I told him what was happening, I mean, he kind of knew I was in like a manic state. I mean, I had a good conversation. I told him where I was at, you know, I'm ready to be done with this game. And he was uh, he was saying, 
Uh, I know how you're feeling. You need to take a few days. Don't make any rash decisions. But as far as, you know, your time in Philly, you know, you owe it to yourself, you know, to the people there to, you know, if you're going to be done with this, do it the right way. And so, yeah, I was ready to fucking be done with it. Peace. <laughs> go, go out and go out in the fucking burning flame, I guess. Lane only missed three games. He came back for week seven in Las Vegas against the Raiders and had figured out by that point how to get back onto his medication. What turned it around? I mean, I think the medication played a big, big role where I wasn't feeling these symptoms. Yeah. I think being feeling like that every day for a long time can drive you crazy. It's almost like Lane didn't miss a beat once he returned. On the field, he was the same Lane, and he didn't allow a sack in that game against the Raiders. He's such a likable guy that his teammates just allowed him to assimilate right back into it. Didn't seem like he missed a beat in terms of that component in the locker room. When you came back, I think that might have been the best you've ever played. Mm-hmm. Was it part of it, though, also just like a renewed love or like cause, no cause fucker, you got a fucker got a, the past eight years or nine years out of whatever frustration i was feeling i was just came to a head so whatever was building up my whole life was like the game wasn't in control of my entire life i was like okay fuck this game i'm done with this so me even going or leaving was like my revolt against that side of me i mean a lot of people won't wouldn't own this you know like the way you- yeah well like what i realized that there's a lot of a uh especially this younger generation growing up, a lot of, you know, people suffering, uh, you know, so when you think about your kids or daughters or something, something this can help out. Yeah. For many years, like I was saying, ever since I was, you know, seven, eight, nine, I was feeling this, these feelings for a long time and this stuff doesn't go away. It, it, uh, it stays with you. So, but to just get, uh, the normalcy out and, and take this stuff seriously, like we do staying physically in shape, I think this needs to be, uh, addressed even more. Once Lane came back, he continued to play at a high level and was voted as an All-Pro. He even caught a touchdown in the final game of the season against the Giants. Lane Johnson is actually eligible on this play. Boy, I'd love to see them throw it to Lane Johnson. Look out for Lane. They called the play East Texas because Lane and Jalen Hurts were both from East Texas. Motion to the near side of the field. Hurts fakes, looks, fires, Johnson! <laughs> Don't you just love that? We exchanged jerseys after the game, actually, because um, I've, I've never thrown a, a touchdown to an offensive tackle. I gave my jersey, signed it, gave it to him, and he gives me his jersey and leaves it in my locker, and he wrote on there. <laughs> when I caught that ball, I didn't, know what I, I didn't know what to think. All I could think was, what y'all know about them Texas boys? <laughs> and... um going through the things that he went through earlier in the season, obviously being able to come back and be with us, and I'm happy for him. There was an outpouring of affection from all the players, and you could see on the sideline and when we got back into the locker room what it meant to all of them. And I'll never forget what Jordan Malata said. I'm not going to swear, but it was fucking awesome. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. So why? Because it's an offensive lineman or because it's lean or it's because what lean went through this year? You know, why, why it's all that? three of those. He's a, you know, it's Lane. He's an offensive lineman. I mean, big man touchdowns. Are, yeah, everybody loves to see that. But when you actually know the guy and you play with the guy and you know how much he gives himself to the team, you love that for him. It was impossible to ignore what that moment meant to Lane, and not just him, but the entire team, that he was able to get back on the field and 
finish out the way that he did when just a few months earlier he was so close to maybe even giving up the game. I think it was Jason Kelsey who put it into perspective the best when he was asked about Lane late in the season and he got very emotional. What he's openly come back from this year and to think uh, about the uh, the amount of people that he's um, the amount of people that he's given hope to and uh, and that's uh, uh, that's the business we're in we're in the business of hope Even though the 2021 season ended on a relative high for Lane, he was still dealing with these issues. I mean, he had the pain in his ankle and his foot. That never goes away. And when you have anxiety and depression, they never go away either. So he was dealing with that as well. When we sat down for this interview in the middle of the season, it was still very clear that he was conflicted about football. I'll never be able to fully enjoy this game until I'm done. It's still not the same. It'll never be the same. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I've accepted that, but, you know, I'm just tired of really fighting it yeah. um, all the time. Now, at this point that we talked, the Eagles were playing well. They were winning a lot. But I don't think the Super Bowl was quite yet in the picture. For Lane, the contract extension was probably the last thing he was thinking about. And then down the stretch of the season, Lane suffered a torn groin injury and had to miss two games, but you could see how important it was for him to get back for the postseason. So the week before the Super Bowl, I asked Lane if I could come over and watch him rehab, and he invited me to his house in Morristown to watch him rehab. contracts and five times per second, so your body's thing is getting a whole lot of workload. On Lane's property, there is a barn, a huge barn, that he calls his bro barn. It's an old barn that they redid that has tons of equipment in there. It's got a mural that has a picture of Lane along with Jalen Hurts and Jason Kelsey and other players, other Eagles and other NFL players who have worked out there over the last few years. It was built by Lane and his personal trainer, Gabe Rangel, and they work out there all the time. Since you've gotten this injury with like people in the Eagles, or like, are they amazed by like that? How you're like going through this? Or I mean, like I was scared before the Giants game. I mean, I was really very nervous for the 49 game, but I was because that was the opponent. I felt my body felt better, but the first time when I went against the Giants, because I hadn't had a live like bull rush. Well, we were noticing up in the press box that first drive. Yeah, that's when I felt it. I was like, ah, I felt like whatever healed up, like got loosened up, and then after like that initial like stretch. I was like, okay, I feel better. Then you were okay. Did you see that up in Yeah. I think Lane always has this struggle with the game. It's always there. It's never going to go away. Of course, you're playing for a Super Bowl, and your mindset may be better than it is midseason when you're playing through various injuries, various bumps and bruises. For the same story, I spoke to Lane's mom, Rayanne Carpentier, who was recently diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, it was, it's great talking to you. Uh, I, you know what? I, th- I think I met you once, but it was many, many moons ago. It was when uh, Lane was I, drafted. I know. Isn't it crazy? I mean, 10 years. 10 but, years. I mean, it's amazing how, how he's done over 10 years. <laughs> I've done 
know, I know. And I've, I've, I recognized when I heard Jeff McLean. I was like, oh, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've covered him every step of the way and just sitting with him in, this, in the bro barn. You know, Over the course of that conversation, I got a better sense of Lane and from her perspective of what he's playing through and how he approaches this battle that he has, this little mini war that's being waged between those ears of going out there and sacrificing your body and also playing under those types of pressures and the physical duress of his ankle. And in this case, the groin injury. You know, when he was at his darkest moments, I, you know, I was scared to death for my child. And I had a really tough talk with him when he didn't show for that game. And he chose to go back to Oklahoma and was going to quit football. I had a tough love conversation with him and we didn't talk for almost a year he was a little upset i guess with you know my advice to him pick yourself up by your bootstraps don't go out this way take some time off but you know do it like a man and do it the right way at one point she was telling me just a little story about how before the nfc divisional playoff game against the giants she was watching him play Sudoku. This has become a game that he has really taken to and it helps keep him focused and relaxed before games. She wanted him to take a nap and he's like, how can you take a nap when you know someone's going to try and kill you when you're injured? Is what he said to her. And she said she got a little better understanding of that and she left him alone. Of course, he went out there and performed like Lane normally does. I've, I've been overwhelmed and I actually he's just on cloud nine and to see him happy and in a good place and so excited in his toughness. I think Lane, he says two years or whatever, but I can see him playing maybe longer. I don't know. I mean, that's going to be his choice. But I, I think he would find himself not knowing what to do with himself if he didn't have yeah. football to go to. Third and three at the four. Hurts this time goes to Gainwell and he's in for the touchdown. Eagles break painters. When they're able to reestablish the line of scrimmage, knocking the Kansas City Chiefs off the football, it makes the game easy. Kelsey Sayamalo off that right side, along with Lane Johnson, a fantastic job. Clearly, mother knows best. After the Super Bowl, Lane indicated that he was going to return and play even longer than the two years that he had spoken about, and that came to fruition with the contract extension. Jason Kelsey, who has thought about retirement recently, said not long ago that the advice that he always received was, when in doubt, don't. Lane, it appears, is following that same direction, but when he finally does call it quits, I get the sense that Lane will be able to make a clean break. When I'm done playing, I was like, I want to kill this, the my identity, like with sports, and just try to find something new, you know, because I feel like I've been focused on sports ever since a young kid, you know what I'm saying? So find another hobby, find something that's outside of this, you know, start over, I guess. Yeah, I mean, your whole entire career, like you said, your whole life's been about this one thing. Yeah. But you, I mean, like, again, you're pretty, you have a lot of, I th- feel like you have interest outside football. Yeah. I mean, I think my my passion is always helping people. I don't know if it being the coaching, 
But I, I like helping young guys or talking to young men, helping them out. Like uh, even when I get back home, my buddy owns a gym or whatever. He trains some guys up there, but I'll go up there and lift and do my thing and then help those guys out. Or I could go fuck off and fish for a year. I think that's what I really <laughs> want to go do. <laughs> Just go on some deep sea fishing trips and uh, enjoy life a little bit. This is Uncovering the Birds, sponsored by Wawa, a production of the Philadelphia Inquirer and KYW News Radio original podcast. Our next episode comes out April 7th, and it starts with a phone call I got a few months ago. Jeff, Chip Kelly calling. Chip, how are you? I'm uh, doing good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. Um, I kinda... the, how is the newspaper business? Well, the newspaper business. Uncovering the Birds is produced by KWW News Radio's Brian Seltzer. Tom Rickard is KWW News Radio's director of podcasting. The executive producer from the Philadelphia Inquirer is Renee Eiffel. For this episode, we use sound from Sports Radio WIP, NBC Sports Philadelphia, and Fox Sports. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. Please tell any Eagles fan who wants to hear more about their favorite team to check out our podcast or just tell one person. That's the best way to spread the word about Uncovering the Birds. You can listen to episodes of Uncovering the Birds free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast or go to inquire.com slash podcast. I'm Jeff McLean. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore McLean, or just search my name on any social media platform or read my stories at inquire.com. We'll talk to you next week.